Hello, my name is Teresa Calvano and I'm the head of the technology practice at Ruth Pedersen Public Affairs Brussels. You are listening to Europe's Digital Frontrunners, a podcast series brought to you by Ruth Pedersen to explore the D9 Plus group. As you may know, this is an informal alliance of the digital ministers of some EU member states that want to promote utilization, implementation and sharing of best practices of digitalization. These countries are driving the EU tech agenda, and that's why we're eager to hear their voices. Thank you, Teresa. I'm Claudia Mori. I'm the Senior Advisor at Ruth Pedersen Public Affairs in Brussels. I'm delighted to welcome you to the third episode of our series of podcasts on the Europeans' uh, digital frontrunners. Today, we have the privilege to host uh, Mrs. Ilona Lundström, who is the Director General for Innovations and Enterprise Financing and the Ministry of Economic Affairs and Employment of Finland. Thank you for joining us, Ilona. Thank you for having me. Uh, just as a quick introduction for our audience, um, Ilona is a very experienced leader uh, with a very solid background in enterprise and innovation policy. In fact, prior to her current position, she worked in various capacities with uh, Takers, which at the time was the most important uh, publicly funded organization for financing research, development and innovation in Finland which in 2018 then merged with another organization called FinPro to create a business Finland. Before that, Ilona also worked with the Association of Finnish Local and Regional Authorities. I'm, I must say, I particularly like the way that you describe yourself in your profile on LinkedIn um, uh, as a person who has the ability to create visions and put them into practice. So I think you're exactly the perfect person uh, to uh, to show uh, the challenges, to the, explain the challenges of the topic that we are focusing on today, which is artificial intelligence, and, and how Finland, together with a group of D9 plus countries, are shaping the uh, EU agenda in, in this area. The timing is, is perfect also because uh, Luxembourg will host the next meeting of the D9 plus group, uh, group in the next few days, uh, with a special focus, if I understand well, on interplay between the digital and the green agendas. So, besides being uh, one of, if not the most advanced digital society in Europe, Finland was also a very early adopter of artificial intelligence and has been uh, working with research in this field for decades. So, I guess it's quite natural that it wants to lead the way forward, uh, reaching the targets of the digital decade. And especially in the domain of artificial intelligence, which is attracting a huge attention from policymakers. So what I would like to understand is, is why, uh, why you think it is important and useful to spend time and effort on this uh, D9 Plus initiative to the point, in fact, uh, Finland hosted the last meeting of the group in January of this year. I mean, what is the added value for Finland compared with, uh, I don't know, for example, just working within the usual channels of the European Union? An excellent question. Thank you so much, Claudio. Um, I have to comment on the, my LinkedIn profile that nobody's modest in, in LinkedIn. So I, I, my sincerest apologies for, for setting those, those words into your mouth. Um, the D plus group is very interesting from the, the Finnish point of view, especially um, from just like you mentioned, we were one of the very first countries in the, in the world, actually, to set our national AI strategy in place. And also, we are now in the position of, of implementing it. So I, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm up to my own words also on, on that regard. But um, 
having the possibility and having the arena to exchange views, uh, to uh, compare strategies, to also um, have a free word about the um, how we are implementing our strategies is extremely valuable in, in creating the, the common scene and also, from my point of view, setting the pace for digitalization in Europe. And I, I think we should be more hungry in the field of digitalization uh, overall in Europe. And from that point of view, I see that the value and the, in the D plus countries and, and the exchange that we have in extremely good. It is, it is good, it is important and it is needed also for the, the kind of speed wise thinking. Yes, so I, I, I was mentioning the, the normal EU channels and also you have uh, quite a tradition uh, of interplays and close cooperation with other Nordic countries. Of course, the Nordics are all or more or less all included in the D9+. Plus. Um, do you see any, any changes? I mean, um, for example, uh, are other European countries that are not involved uh, stimulated by, by the D9 or are, are they annoyed by the D9? I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know about the annoyance that we, we create, but uh, but kind of commenting on, on the Nordic collaboration, which is very, very old, very, very um, practical that we have. I think there's a value added in the in the um, nine countries group, uh, the D9 plus uh, countries and, and the discussion we are having in that circle. Um, and, and also we, we, of course, do have good collaboration in digitalization between the Nordic countries, but it's it's a bit different way of working. We are also, for example, um, doing doing R&D um, financing together. We, we exchange um, views and, and ideas on very practical level on, on innovation, for example. So those are things we are doing in the in the Nordic family. But I see especially the strategic thinking and strategic discussion in the D plus group the most valuable that we have been able to to create in in that that um, well circle one could say okay well um yeah i mean uh, going back to to the artificial intelligence uh topic i said it's attracting a huge attention from policymakers. Um, part of this uh, focuses of course on, on what needs to be done uh, to ensure that europe uh, stays uh, uh, in the race for technology primacy in the future, uh, a lot of attention or is devoted uh, to the potential dangers of the deployment of AI. Uh, and in this respect, one of the most debated issues is the use of um, artificial intelligence systems by public authorities, potentially also private actors for surveillance purposes. Uh, so using biometric facial recognitions and other technologies. Um, the Commission uh, recently uh, proposed the Artificial Intelligence Act, which regulates the use of uh, what they call high-risk systems. Uh, yeah, it, it does allow the, the use of real-time uh, remote biometric uh, identification systems under certain circumstances and conditions, uh, in, especially for the purpose of, of law enforcement. Um, so if I understand correctly, actually, uh, also the police and customs in Finland have already uh, adopted uh, such uses of technology since uh, a couple of years ago. Well, what is your opinion on this? Uh, how is the Finnish government uh, positioning itself in the council negotiations, for example, on the commission's proposal? Uh, considering I, I feel that some member states share the view that these uses should be completely banned 
the majority of MEPs have sympathized with uh, civil society. Uh, they say they want to strengthen the protection mechanisms for consumers and citizens in general. So uh, how, do, how do you see the debate going? Well, at this point, um, the Finnish national position on the Artificial Intelligence Act has not been formed yet. So, so these are kind of prelim preliminary comments that I can provide us at this point. But um, um, at the same time, I, I do think that um, we have to respect our common values. We, we have to improve citizens' participation. We have to create trust in society as a, as a whole and be responsible in, in utilizing these general purpose um, technologies like artificial intelligence. Um, what I have said many times in, in many panel debates is that the bad guys are doing this anyhow. And now it's very important that the good guys do it even better. So, so we have to be able to utilize these technologies in a responsible manner. We have to um, also make the, the or, or create the benefits for society from, from applying these, these technologies in our processes that we do have, for example, in, in public um, agencies or, or authorities anyhow. So, so I don't see technology as good or as bad. As, as such, but I see that the, the how we apply it, how we use it, it has to be transparent, it has to be trustworthy, it has to be um, based on our common European values. And I see this this is a doable thing, this is something we are able to do, but um, what I see sometimes is that it's a, such a huge um, area of, of expertise that is needed that we, we tend to get a bit paralyzed in the decision-making. And, and I see that we, we have to go forward, try to find the best possible solutions, try to make the best possible uh, legislation as well, regulation, and then if, 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 if it's not 100% right at the first phase, we can make it better later on, but we cannot stop. Well, I, I actually personally agree with you 100%. Um, I've, I've seen uh, there's been some pushback from uh, industry, for example, some controversies um, about, for example, the costs that would be incurred by industry uh, um, by the provision uh, mandated by the proposed uh, Commission uh, Artificial Intelligence Act. Um, they say it might hamper innovation, cause express, excessive extra cost to the industry. Do you see that there is a balance between uh, protecting the uh, the common values, as you defined, um, and uh, and the need to make uh, Europe and its industries competitive uh, globally? I, I think that a, a balance is is both needed and we are able to, to also create it. The, the global competition requires that EU is established into into an or establishes an environment favorable for the development and application of artificial intelligence that promotes investments in Europe and strength, strengthens our, our competitiveness as, as a whole and in, in different companies. So, so from my point of view, the, we should be able to make um, Europe to an environment that is uh, competitive on global scale. We are now in that phase that where we create the, the basic science, we, we create um, the solutions, we, we, um, we write the papers and then the knowledge is deployed elsewhere in the world. And I don't see this as a very good solution for Europe as a whole. I think we should be able to scale up this knowledge 
into successful companies in Europe in much larger scale that we are able to do right now. The unicorns are not born in Europe, they are born elsewhere. And this is a huge problem for Europe and our, our competitiveness as a whole. But um, doing that responsibly at the same time, it's in our values, it's in our, our backbone, and, and this can be combined, but it's hard work. And I'm, I trust that the, also that the decisions maker in Europe um, are willing to, to kind of push these uh, two sides together in a way that um, the citizens benefit and also that the environment for companies is, is competitive. Yes, well, I uh, listening to you, you you sound very optimistic and, and forward-looking, and yet in the debate, uh, we, we always tend to to focus on the potential dangers rather than the promises of this technology. Have you reflected on why is that, uh, and and what can we do to to change the attitude vis-a-vis -vis, uh, these technologies? Well, actually, we are coming back to the point why these um, country groups, for example, are so important. I, I see the forerunner countries as, as kind of living labs in Europe. We are, we are walking the talk already. We do the experiments, we do have some legislation in place on, on some areas, for example, on national level. Uh, we collaborate also on, on digital um, services, for example, across border. Uh, for example, the, we have a, a joint backbone in our, our services in Estonia, in, in Finland, for citizens in healthcare. The technological solution is the, is the same, and we would be able to, to join all our service system already today if, if we choose to do that. And, and that's the value also that we can um, bring along to the European discussions that, yes, there are things that we have to be cautious about, we have to be aware of them, we have to tackle them, but at the same time, this is, some, this is possible. We can do it based on our European values. We can be agile, we can be hungry for the, the results also in applying these technologies. Artificial intelligence is only one good example. There are very many other general purpose technologies in the digital field that are in the very same position. And, and at the same time, not be paralyzed by the difficulties that lie ahead. We can tackle them together. And from that point of view, I see also the value from these, these forerunner groups um, to the whole European discussion that we are having that we can fix this. Yeah, well, that's that's a, that's a lovely way of putting it. And, and uh, you know, digital frontrunners, I, I was reflecting on the fact that, for example, Finland has uh, launched their own artificial intelligence uh, 4.0 program uh, one year or a few months before the, the Commission published the, the AI Act. And, and what I find very interesting there is that you, you do, in fact, combine um, a wide range of digital technologies, including the Internet of Things, 3D printing, robotics, uh, quantum computing, and so on. It's, it's a comprehensive vision, which, which is great, because I think we, we cannot um, uh, think of these things in, in silos. Um, so this, in part, explains uh, why you're, you're placed first as a country in, in the European Commission's uh, Digital Economy and Society Index ranking. Um, said that, I mean, do you think there is something else that can still be done? Are, are there areas or sectors where companies are, are experiencing difficulties uh, in implementing this uh, transition uh, towards a, uh, a, a more digital economy? 
Well, I have I have two examples. Um, well, we are the, the Ministry of, of uh, Trade and Industry in, in old language as well, and, and industry policy is part of my portfolio. And there are two two sectors that I'm especially interested in in, in regard innovation and digitalization. One is tourism as a whole, hit, hit very hard by the pandemic in the whole wor world, and also in in Europe in in different areas. And and there's a a big willingness uh, inside that sector to explore innovation, explore digitalization, what it can bring along. And at the same time, it is very hands-on service sector. So, so I think this is one good example where digitalization is, is at this point only a promise. At the same time, digitalization has already changed the, the uh, sector tremendously. Uh, for example, um, the, the how we buy plane tickets and how we how we book hotel nights and, and whole Airbnb um, kind of businesses have already transitioned that that sector. But at the same time, if we go down to uh, in individual SMEs there, there's still lot a lot of work to be done. And I think this is a, a good opportunity for for our whole digital agenda, for example, what kind of what kind of um, development we can create in, in that sector and, and also to help the sector and, and industry to, to um, recover from the pandemic. Another area that is exciting from my point of view and where we, have, where we are doing national um, scenario work actually at this point is, is retail industry. It's also hands-on um, service sector, but but we are doing there the kind of digital and innovation scenarios right now. How the future will will look like, and and what kind of demands there also from for digital skills and and reskilling, upskilling of the workforce. So I, I think there are a lot of opportunities also how to how to link the digital skills together with with different sectors and and combine these these strongholds. Yes, no, that that's that's very very interesting because it, it leads to to my next question, which is, uh, you know, you mentioned two sectors where, uh, and you mentioned uh, the SMEs, but uh, in particularly in retail and uh, and tourism, you have the big giants, but you have a, a very large number of or, or small medium enterprises that that provide provide the the backbone of these industries and. And I think that the problem of digital skills is much more acute there because maybe the large multinationals, they, they have programs, they can train and retrain uh, their workers, but uh, with, uh, with the small uh, companies, it may be a little bit more of a challenge. And, and I think, you know, we've been talking about uh, digital skills for, for a few years, uh, the, the, uh, the necessity of reskilling, upskilling workers. Uh, so this is not a new issue, but what what I think has been over, um, you know, uh, or underestimated actually, um, is the fact that this is not or no longer a question of, of providing just one-off training programs for for a set of people. I think that the workers will have to face uh, a constant pressure for reskilling to to keep up to uh, the pace of change in the workplace. So this was going to become a long life process, and uh, how you know you, your your ministry is uh, also dealing with with employment issues. You know, can you tell us what policies Finland is putting in place to close this gap and make sure that uh, uh, there is a change of mindset where where young people entering or, or even middle aged people entering the workplace um, 
come equipped with this idea that they know that they will have to continue to, to change and to adapt to change. I think this is a, a challenge for the whole um, whole sector of, of education as a whole, whether it is basic education or it is university education. And I think it is a change of, of mindset how we see the set of skills that we have to have to be able to be relevant for the, the markets, uh, our, our whole work life span. Um, one interesting um, example what we have been doing in Finland is, coming from the previous AI strategy work is the elements of AI course. It's a free online course introducing the basic of, of artificial in, uh, intelligence to every, uh, anybody in, interested. And by September this year, uh, more than 730,000 uh, students from, from over than 170 countries has enrolled the course. And it was a, a good, excellent idea formed in a, a very small circle of, of, of Finnish people coming from the University of, of Helsinki and, and technology company Reactor that created the course and, and where the, the basic idea was that how can we invite, invite everybody on board and have the basic knowledge about artificial intelligence. And I think this kind of um, basic skills and basic understanding about technology, where we use it, how we use it, how can we make it transparent? This has a link back to the trust discussion we already had. Um, it's very essential to everybody. It, it is a, a kind of civil duty to have basic understanding of, of these technologies in the future, I think. We are using them anyhow. So, so then to upgrade that into what that actually means in, in everyone's work life is a good question. But from that point of view, I, I think the most important skill is the skill um, to be able to learn um, on the way wherever you are heading with your, your own career so that I, I think our skills will have to be renewed all the time, whether it is today or, or tomorrow. And from that point of view, yes, we do have some policy initiatives ongoing in, in Finland. I know the Ministry of Education is working hard on this, on lifelong learning and the solution, what that means also from the um, whole education system point of view. So, so there's a lot of going uh, there. And then, of course, as well, um, how, to, how to make Finland uh, interesting to people coming from all over the world. We have so-called talent boost program ongoing and up and running already for a couple of years and this is part of that that area where we also want to to create a good environment for specialist employees students and researchers to to join our our community and i think this is a european question we are doing it in finland but we should do it european wide europe should be the place where the, the place of opportunities in in this sense so that you can create your your life here and, and it is something where you, you can thrive. So we need all the workforce, we need the bright minds and, and Europe should be inviting in from that point of view. Well, thank you for providing these examples, which I think are, are, are really great examples of, uh, you know, how you change the, not, not just how you provide uh, skills, but you, you change the mindset because I think, uh, at least in many countries in Europe, the uh, the university or the the uh, classic education models is a bit in crisis because 
uh, it's it's designed to take you to a certain level and then uh, you know you you achieve your highest degree and and, and that's it. Um, and uh, at least in my generation, many people looked at their university degree as as an arrival point instead of a starting point. So I agree with you. Teaching how to learn that's that's the most fundamental skills and. Uh, um, and 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 maybe uh, it is a, a joint effort of the education sector and and the government and the enterprises. I somehow I I have also noticed that when I started in my career, uh, unfortunately, a few <laughs> long long time ago, um, companies that were investing a lot in 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 training uh, their young people. And now uh, I'm I'm the father of uh, two uh, young men who are entering the the job market now, and everybody asks for uh, people with experience, and uh, and it's very difficult to to provide that if uh, if you haven't had the opportunity yet to 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 uh, to achieve it. So, so I mean, uh, you seem to be doing the right things. Do you, do you think that Finland can be uh, looked at, on as an example? Uh, by by other countries, do you do you have programs to exchange best practices in uh, in, in this area? Well, I I'd be willing to to of very open to that opportunity of inviting everybody interested to to have a start study trip. What we are doing, one has to keep in mind that our method is also trial and error to some extent. So so everything we we do won't be successful automatically. Some of it will, and at uh, we hope also from to to learn from the the trials that are not that successful and maybe can we can share that as well that they, you don't need to try them all by yourself. Well, but then uh, this uh, this willingness, this enthusiasm for trying and uh, and even be ready to accept failure should be contagious, I think. So please uh, go ahead. I mean, this this could be also a, a another project to, to share with uh, your fellow countries in the D nine. Plus great. Uh, may, maybe in a couple of weeks when you go to uh, to Luxembourg, you can uh, you can launch the idea. I'll be happy to do that. Okay. Well, no, this this was a, this was a fantastic conversation, and uh, actually we we touched upon artificial intelligence, but many other points. So this this was uh, very uh, very interesting, very stimulating, and I hope that uh, our our audience will find it uh, interesting, useful, and and inspirational. So. Thank you very much for uh, uh, your time and for your expertise and 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 your experience, and uh, and also I would like to thank our listeners uh, for uh, for tuning in. Um, if you found this uh, interesting, then uh, please uh, feel free also to to check the the previous two episodes. Um, we are now creating a body of conversations with uh, digital front runners uh, to cover a number of of issues related to digitalization and um, which uh, I, I hope can be uh, a, a good contribution to uh, to our colleagues and, and other people that are involved in, especially in the policy making in the area of digital. So again, Ilona, it was a pleasure and thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Claudio. It was really a pleasure to, to join your podcast. Thank you. Thank you.